And my teacher always spoke about this. He said, look, there's many ways to travel from point A to point B. You can walk, you can take a bicycle, you can drive by car, or you can do Kundalini yoga. That's like taking the rocket ship. And so that's how I felt about it. It's a very, very intense practice where you have to really commit deeply. But when you do, you can make jump by leaps and bounds in a very, very short, short time. The other cool thing about what I liked about Kundalini Yoga is he really simplified the practice. And his approach was like anyone, either if you're eight or 80, should be able to do the practice and get a result right away. There's a million ways to get there. Again, in our human ability as spiritual beings, we can get there anyway. You can get there by going jogging. You can get there by Tai Chi. You can get there through Hatha Yoga. You can get there in so many different paths. You can get there without doing anything. But it's just one way which I have found, which is very quick, very intense and high energy. Welcome to another transformative episode of Unleash Thyself. I am your host, Konstantin Morun, guiding you on this journey of self-discovery and empowerment. Today... We're honored to have a special guest, Amrit Singh. He has experience in Kundalini Yoga, meditation, and habit development. Amrit's journey is a fascinating tale of exploration and self-discovery. From his early years of curiosity to his profound experiences in India, his life is a testament to the power of spiritual practice and focused coaching. Amrit's expertise in Kundalini Yoga, a path that he has been deeply immersed in for over three decades, gives him an extraordinary ability to connect and transform the lives of individuals. In this episode, Amrit will shed light on the intriguing world of Kundalini Yoga, its differences from other forms of yoga, and its profound impact on personal growth. We'll delve into the nuances of energy flow, in our bodies, the significance of activating our chakras and how these practices lead to a deeper understanding of oneself. We will also explore the practical aspects of these spiritual practices. Amrit will guide us through the process of breaking free from stagnation, the time it takes to see tangible results, and how incorporating these practices into our daily routine can lead to a more balanced and fulfilling life. For those seeking guidance in their personal lives, especially in navigating the complexities of relationships, Amrit's insights on becoming a better version of oneself will be invaluable. He brings a fresh perspective on how personal transformation positively impacts those around us, elevating not just ourselves, but our entire community. So, whether you're a long-time practitioner or new to the world of yoga and meditation, this episode promises to be an enlightening journey into the heart of spiritual growth and personal transformation. Remember, if Amrit's story and teachings resonate with you, please like, subscribe, and share your thoughts in the comments. Your engagement helps us continue bringing these life-changing stories and insights to light. Now, let's begin. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself. I am thrilled to welcome Amrit Singh to the show. Amrit, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your Unleashed moment, the moment you knew you are on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Amrit, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, Constantine. Absolutely. And I had a chance to dive deeper into your journey. And of course, you and I had quite a few conversations offline. So I'd love for us to share with the audience, first and foremost, where you are today, but also how you've gotten here, right? What, what are some of those experiences and instances that have put you to where you are today, where you get to live in a beautiful place like Mexico, get to help people through some challenges in life and finding their own path. So I'd be curious to see where you, you would like to start your journey. Oh my God, that's such a long story and there's so much in it. And for me, it really, it all started in my childhood. You know, when I think back to when I, before I was 10 years old, I was such an open and empathetic child, you know, hypersensitive and really, you know, always had love, love inside of me to share with the world. 
And there was really this, this very beautiful and protected period. And I'm realizing more and more now that I'm turning 50 next month that I'm actually realizing, oh my God, you know, like what's coming out now has been there all along. So that was a, for me a big reminder that I'm on the right path and that that's just really what I, the mission I came with. And it, it was, I took a couple of detours on the way there, <laughs> like we all do, right? It's so much part of life. And I also made some real good choices, which helped me a lot to solidify my, my personal practice and my understanding of myself. And so I can go a little bit more into detail there. But to kind of stay chronologically in order, so up to that age till 10, I was this super open, empathetic child, you know, super kind in many ways. And then with 10, I had this, this break, you know, where I realized, you know, my dad was heavy with me around me crying around something. And I was really upset. And he was like, oh, come on, you know, he, he was from a different generation. So you have to understand and put that into perspective. So he's like, yeah, that's, don't be such a pussy or whatever he said to me. I don't even know what, the, what it was, but that's what I heard. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to toughen up. So let me toughen up. And my two role models, I still remember this like it's today, were James Bond and Rambo. <laughs> so I, I merged this new identity of myself. You know, and I started putting on this mask of becoming this super cool kid and the super tough kid and who would never have any emotions to show and never have any sensitivity again, which would get in my way. And I started closing up my heart. And that was really like a heavy period. And then, you know, when I turned into my teenage years, there was a lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs. And actually, like through the smoking of the weed, funny enough, I started reconnecting with my spiritual self. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, there is something there. I'm the tough Rambo James Bond here. I had a different girlfriend every two weeks and I was like picking fights with people and just showing the whole world how cool and how tough I was. And, but then I had this, the weed smoking and I was like, what's happening? Because I was connecting to these higher centers and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I just have to smoke more weed. I figured this out. <laughs> I broke the mysterious code to life and I finally understand. So I did that for a couple of years and then I came to the point where I realized, oh my God, this was so stupid. I wasted all this because nothing changed, you know. I was in, in this bliss stage when I was stoned, but it, it it didn't translate into my life. You know, my life was still like, you know, as you know, failing in school and shit was happening and nothing was flowing. And I was just like, I don't know, there's there's something missing here that that much I'm getting. So it took me 10 years till I actually was able to completely break out of that. And I did that kind of by by pulling the emergency brake and going like, okay, I need to get out of here. This this environment doesn't help me. So I got on a plane and I flew to India. And I you know, joined this community there and really deeply got into the practice of Kundalini Yoga, really deeply got into the practice of Sikhism. That's where the beard and the turban are from. And it allowed me to to kind of just have a clean break from, from this old version of myself and to kind of rediscover who I truly was, which I kind of knew already because I was like that, you know, when I was a little kid. And so I slowly, slowly melted my heart and, you know, got away from the drugs and the alcohol. And that was super helpful. And so I ended up staying 20 years in India. And that was such a massive time period that it really then pulled me in the other direction, you know, where I got so deep into my spiritual practice and into my yoga and into my Sikh identity and into reading my prayers and doing this every day until it started limiting me again, right? So the, now I got all extreme on the other side and I kind of started closing off. It was a little bit like the sadhu living in a cave, you know, just doing my practice every day, eating super healthy, only having a few selected friends who were on the same path as I was. And then when the time came to leave India, which was five years ago, everything changed again. 
And I came to this point of saying like, okay, who am I now? Am I this beard? Am I this turban? Am I this identity I again created? Now I wasn't Rambo James Bond anymore. Now I was Sadhu meditator, you know? <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not really me either. I'm so much more. And so I started expanding again and really happened over the last two, three years where I realized even though I love wearing the beard and the turban, I don't identify so narrowly anymore with being a Sikh because I feel like many of the religions, it's, it's so, you know, you, you end up in such a tight little box and everybody is on the different path is wrong and you're on the only right path and all that stuff, you know, which I really didn't connect with. And so now I'm at a point and I'm sure that's going to change again in five years. If we talk again, <laughs> I'll have the, the next part to tell. But now I'm at a point where I'm just like, hey, I, I like a couple of those things I learned from my India time. And I'm practicing those and they really help me. And I got long hair, which I always loved having since I was five. And so now I got it tied up in a, in a knot on top of my head with a turban around. Super convenient, by the way. So, if you, have a, you know, like think about having long hair. Get yourself a turban is super convenient. It's never in your face. You can drive the convertible. The hair doesn't fly everywhere. It's awesome. So this is just a quick summary of my life in five minutes. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I appreciate that. So let's talk a bit more about Kundalini Yoga because that's a term that keeps coming up in my life, right? And I've done some reading into it, but it doesn't seem like it's very popular yet, at least not in the circles I, I've looked into. So can you tell us a bit more, first of all, you know, what Kundalini is and Kundalini Yoga? And then, of course, we'll talk about why you chose that, because I would imagine, you know, to fly from Germany to India and make such a big change, there were some factors that contributed to that. <laughs> yeah, Kundalini Yoga is different. And Kundalini Yoga is a little bit weird. And Kundalini Yoga is super intense. And so it's not really the mainstream kind of yoga where you can look good in your Lululemon pants and you do your stretches and you're all flexible. Kundalini Yoga is really about, you know, putting in that blood, sweat and tears. You know, we have a lot of exercise where you hold your arms up for like, you know, half an hour, an hour. And you're just thinking after two minutes, oh my God, I'm going to die. And you're, you're making it through this, this hump. And I think this is really what captured my attention. Because for me, I always like the extreme and I like the, the challenging stuff. And back in the day when I was, you know, I started with Kundalini Yoga when I was 19. I don't think, you know, you could have you know, paid me enough money to go to some Hatha yoga class or to some, you know, of these other very calm and everybody was talking very softly. And there was this very different energy from, from what I wanted. And what I found in Kundalini yoga was this, this really deep connection to spirit and to my own spirituality and to, you know, through all these other techniques which came with the lifestyle in kundalini yoga and so that's really what inspired me to dive in deeper and to practice more okay so you you had a bit of experience with it before you went to india to to dive deeper into it and like you said the spiritual spiritual connection is one reason as to why someone would get into kundalini yoga but what would you say are some other differences between that kundalini yoga and regular yoga that people would find in, in their cities and in their communities well, the regular yoga is very much focused on using your body to get a spiritual experience. And that kind of yoga works. But the thing is the way it works and how the old yogis practiced it a thousand, two thousand years ago, they would just practice five, six hours of yoga a day. And then after 10, 15 years, their body was so deeply prepared that they automatically entered this state of deep meditation. And in my belief, the whole field of yoga is really based around being a preparation to meditate deeply. And so I feel like in today's yoga and kind of how it's you know promoted and how people use it, that whole meditative spiritual aspect kind of falls by the wayside because people are like, oh, I'm not going to talk about all the wacko spiritual stuff. Like a big thing about Kundalini Yoga is there's a lot of people with turbans. There's a lot of people just wearing white and no other color ever. You know, there's a lot of that little weird wackoness in it. But that's kind of what attracted me. And that's what helped me very, very quickly 
And my teacher always spoke about this. He said, look, there's many ways to travel from point A to point B. You can walk, you can take a bicycle, you can drive by car, or you can do Kundalini yoga. That's like taking the rocket ship. And so that's kind of how I felt about it. You know, it's a very, very intense practice where you have to really commit deeply. But when you do, you can make jump by leaps and bounds in a very, very short time. When you say make, you know, jumps and leaps of like that, like significant ones, are we talking in personal development, self-discovery, connection to your higher self, like you mentioned, or what areas of your life do you see those jumps in? It really affects everything. I, I love this explanation and I have a little TikTok all the way down on my account from where Sadhguru speaks about Kundalini Yoga and he speaks about the dangers of Kundalini Yoga. And I love this video because for the few people who do know about Kundalini Yoga, they do know that it might possibly be dangerous. Hey, it's Constantine here. And I want to take a brief moment to truly thank you for being a part of this incredible journey of transformation. You are the reason we are creating this content. I see you and I appreciate you. Your support truly means the world to me. I want to ask you for a small favor. I'd love for you to join our mission by hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a thoughtful comment or review. Your engagement helps others discover these insights and together we can continue to unlock the power of authenticity and personal transformation. And if you want to reach out directly to me, send me an email at constantine at unleashedyself.com. I value any and all feedback. Thank you for being a part of this movement. Now, back to the episode. And he explained it so beautifully by speaking about it. He said, yes, and you know what the danger is of Kundalini Yoga? When you practice it committedly, even just for a short period of time, you might just want to go out and leave your family and go live in a forest and live in a cave and just practice more and just be one with the universe and just feel that that feeling. And that's the danger. And so for me, that made a lot of sense because I, that's the journey I took, right? I, when I went to India, when I disconnected myself from, from so many things out in the real world, that was one of the challenges, which ultimately I look back on now has become a huge asset for me because I was able to come out of that and bring this energy now into the real world and bring this to a podcast like the one we have today and, and share that with normal people who have that same connection, right? We're all these spiritual beings having a human experience. It's not the other way around, right? We're not humans trying to become spiritually all of a sudden, but it's already, we're already these hyper spiritual beings. And so we're choosing this human experience and now we're recognizing all these limitations. So what Kundalini Yoga does, it kind of breaks you out of these human limitations and has you recognize how vast and how open you are as a spirit and as a being. And it just creates this amazing effect where you're like, oh my God, why would I not want to sit and meditate all day? This is amazing. I love it. Love that. So then tell us a bit more about what does it entail to practice Kundalini Yoga? Of course, you gave some examples of holding your hands out for X amount of time or the meditation piece. I would imagine it combines physical exercise with meditation in stillness, more or less? Yeah, the, the other cool thing about what I liked about how my teacher taught Kundalini Yoga is he really simplified the practice. And his approach was like anyone, either if you're 8 or 80, should be able to do the practice and get a result right away. It was very result-oriented. And so it really allowed us to get in, have no basic background. Other yogis from other traditions might actually look at some Kundalini yogi practicing and saying, oh my God, they're doing half the exercises wrong. And see here, they're not tightening their glute or pulling up this elbow, how it should be aligning the spine properly. And that was really never such an important part in our practice. It was much more about what do you do to get those internal energies moving? What do you do to activate your chakras? And then how does that energy go up into your higher chakras and really allows you to feel this profound and deep connection and be become one with the universe? Beautiful, beautiful. 
So yeah, speaking of the chakras and move, having the movie, the energy move through, right? The idea that a lot of the energy gets stuck in the bottom two or three chakras is prevalent. We we see a lot of um, information out on that and some research into it. But I'm curious to see with your experience with Kundalini Yoga and everything you've done, why do you find that we get our energy stuck? And what are the downsides of having those energies stuck in our lower chakras? It's such a great question because I would almost formulate it a little bit differently. Because when you look at babies or little children, none of them are stuck in their first three chakras. They have all their chakra system flowing. The energy goes up, it goes down. It's in the heart, it's in the crown. It's in all the right places at the right time. When they scream, it's in their belly. When they're sad, it goes down, but it comes right back up. It's a very natural process. And again, we're coming as these spiritual beings, taking on these physical bodies. And it's just, it's natural that our chakra system works the right way. Unfortunately, what happens, especially in the early teenage years, a lot of shame, guilt, and fear kind of starts blocking us. And we feel much safer in our lower chakras. Because our lower chakras ground us, they keep our feet on the ground, we don't have these lofty ideas, we don't have these wild fantasy worlds we're living, we are being much more realistic, our parents live it like that for us, our grandparents have lived like that, thousands of years of humans generationally before us have lived like life like that way. When you were the one who was the dreamer and the singer and the dancer and the spiritual being, you didn't have anything to eat in the winter, right? The one who went out there and chopped wood for eight hours and then went hunting afterwards, that was the family that survived. And so this energy in the lower chakras is a very conscious decision. Actually, probably conscious is the wrong word. It's more an unconscious decision to activate the lower chakras, to be safe, to survive, to be protected, it's very common to, to put this armoring around our hearts so no one will hurt us anymore. You know, after that first big love where we're like, oh, my God, you know, with 14, I love you. We'll stay together for the rest of our lives. And then three weeks later, it breaks. And it's that big heartbreak, right, which we remember for the rest of our lives. And it's this, again, we, we start armoring up and then the heart locks and then the throat chakra locks. And then up here in those higher chakras, not much happens because the mind starts dominating and connecting to those lower chakras, having all these motivations of, if I do that, I should feel very guilty because that's the wrong thoughts to have. And if I have too much sexual desire, I should be shameful because my parents told me that's really bad and that doesn't fit into our religion or whatever it is, right? And so we end up realigning our chakra system so that by the time we get into adults, all this heavy energy is stuck down there and the heart is not open to allow to be the gateway into the higher chakras. And so a lot of the work in Kundalini Yoga is around breaking through that. Okay. I love that. I love that. And I would imagine, like you said earlier as well, Kundalini Yoga is not just one of the ways to get there, but it seems that it could be one of the faster ways you could help release those blockages and, and get the energy moving again. There's a million ways to get there. Again, in our human ability as spiritual beings, we can get there anyway. You can get there by going jogging. You can get there by Tai Chi. You can get there through Hatha Yoga. You can get there in so many different paths. You can get there without doing anything. But it's just one way which I have found which is very quick, very intense and high energy. And so it gets you there very quickly. Very good, very good. No, I, I love that uh, that point that you brought up for sure. So let me ask you this. Let's look at the, the negatives of being stuck in those lower level chakras for life. What are some downsides? And of course, we see it in people all around us. But I'm curious to see in your experience, what are some of the biggest downsides of someone not having that energy flow through all the chakras and being stuck in the lower ones? Basically, what happens with any situation, just as badly if you're stuck in your higher chakras, you probably have a similar problem. It might be more that you're all spacey and all over the place and you can't hold a job or you can't pay your bills or nothing like that. But being stuck always means the energy is not flowing. 
the flow of life is not there anymore. So anything that gets stuck, just the energy starts stagnating and it's you're not in flow anymore. And so with anything in nature, when you look around the trees, the animals, the plants, whatever, if they end up being stuck, the process of death starts setting in. Your energy levels start dropping, your connectedness to life starts dropping. You don't have a lot of fun in life anymore. It's very hard to feel love or feel loved by people. And it just, it doesn't allow you to live up to the highest potential of what your human body can do. That's such a beautiful way to, to describe it, Amrit. So thank you for sharing that. So then, of course, the opposite would be true if you do get to open up the flows of energy and get through it. But now we, we see why it's potentially a problem, right? It gets you stuck. It sets in all those negative feelings that we talked about. Why do you think people are stuck in the way they, they're doing things? Is it a lack of awareness of being able to actually release that energy and get it moving? And, or why do you find that people are stuck in this? I think probably, in my opinion, the biggest reason people are stuck is group consciousness. And we all know that the people we hang out with, the people of our family, the, our neighbors, the people in our country have a certain mindset. And we take on that group consciousness. And this is very much on how our individual consciousness works, that we are people who don't exist individually. We're connected to everybody and everything around us. So when those people around us are stuck, it's just when we as kids again, come from this very much connectedness from the heavens, from this like, oh my God, everything is working and amazing. You try to fit in. And so the way to fit in is to just copy what those people who are your closest, in that case, your parents have been living and have been living in front of you. And so you start copying that and your energetic makeup starts adopting that same energetic makeup from your parents. Sometimes you see that when you see kids and parents together and the father wa walks in a funny way and you see the three kids all walking in the same way. You know, it's a way of adopting what our parents do. And that's how the system is designed. Very interesting. And I agree with that, Amrit. I mean, I've seen that in my life and of course the life of those around me. So interesting stuff. Okay, so how do we break free from that? If you're someone that has never thought of it this way hasn't realized that wait a second what i'm doing is what's causing all this discomfort this lack of joy and fulfillment how can you start and of course kundalini yoga is kind of jumping in the deep end so i would imagine that's probably not the start for most people or a great way to start which is an easy way to start for all of us humans and everybody can do is start by moving your body because when you start moving your body and getting those energies in motion and getting your physical body in motion, you start triggering those chakra points and your chakras start getting into flow. When you start exercising and you start sweating and you start going for walks, you start doing whatever you can do to just physically move your body, this energy starts getting started, right? And then you can start dabbling a little bit in yoga. Try out a couple of different types of yoga. Go to one Kundalini yoga class. And my recommendation there would find the wackoest teacher, the one wearing a white dress with a huge white turban on the head and who like sings the mantras the whole time. That's probably the one you can learn the most from because they have that real deep connection to spirit. So it's, it's I would just say, just start and just start moving. Because when you start taking action, that's when things start changing in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that, Amrit. Thank you. And I would say if you were to, to start on this path, right, and find a wacky Kundalini yoga teacher that you mentioned, right, or start anything like regular yoga, how long do you see people having to give it before they see something that could be like, you know what? There's something here I want to continue because in your case, right, you did it for 10 years before you jumped over to, to India. But is this something that you see people getting a bit of a revelation fairly quick? It depends. It depends how, how stuck you are energetically, right? If you have someone who is 65 years old, has never done anything, is super energetically closed up, is emotionally closed up, there's not a lot, it's going to take longer then when you wor work with 13-year-olds, 
So it's very different of where you added the path. I think it's a little bit more challenging for us men, again, because we had these very closed up and strict role models. It's a little bit easier for women to get in because, again, their mothers and their grandmothers always had stayed in deeper connection with their own inner spirituality. And so that's also why you see in today's world, there is more women in the yoga world than men. And that's already changing. Because when I started 30 years ago, I was always the only guy at every yoga class. Today, you go to yoga class, you got a whole bunch of men there. And that's awesome. So it's really this, this process of like, yeah, just get started and get yourself some help and step into it and step into your identity as a spiritual being having a human experience. That's really the one point I want to drive home. If you're ever doubting anything, don't try to find spirituality somewhere in the outside. And it says it in every religion. You can look in the Quran, you can look in the Bible, you can look in the Torah. It like it always says the same. God is within. It's not this guy, old guy sitting on a cloud with a white beard, right? It's about going within. And so really start going within, start connecting, start connecting to your emotions, letting things flow, start accepting yourself as a whole being that has dark sides, that has a shadow, that has weaknesses, that does things which you're not proud of, but it's all part of the package. And it's a beautiful journey. It's a beautiful message as well, Amrit. Absolutely. Thank you. So... How does Kundalini Yoga show up in your life today? You said you made a big change about five years ago. I'm assuming you still practice a bit of it, but how does it look for someone like yourself that's been on this journey for you know, a few decades now, and now we're here today where you get to help others on this path as well? For me, I realized it, it all leads up to my meditation practice. And the deeper and the more profound I can go in my meditation practice, the more benefit I get. So for me, I have a very strong daily uh, morning routine where I wake up at 4.45, 5 o'clock, 5.30, whatever time, depending when I go to bed. And I have a whole practice. I take a cold shower. I, I set up my meditation spot. I turn on the candles. I turn on some incense. The whole house is quiet because everybody's asleep. And I have these two hours to myself to really go deep within and meditate and be with myself. So for me, that's really the central piece. And I need to remind myself on a regular basis to go out and exercise and to go for walks and to do things and not just be like, oh, I can just sit and meditate all day too. <laughs> but I'm kind of at a point now where I say like, if I can honor myself every morning like that, the, the rest of the day is okay. I can show up. I can serve people, I can be on podcasts, I can make TikTok videos, I can do all kinds of amazing things to go out and bring that energy into the world, because that's ultimately what's the most important for me right now. And you just spoke about a huge benefit to yourself, which is this energy and this flow that allows you to do all these amazing things. But let's actually talk a bit more about what other benefits a practice like meditation brings to you and it could bring to others. Because, for example, myself, I've always heard about meditation, right? And I thought it was, it was out there. And then the more I read, read into it, the more I got curious and the more I started practicing. And I realized, wow, there's a lot here to unpack and there's so many potential benefits. And I'm sure I barely scratched the surface because I'm only a couple of years into this. But for someone like yourself that's been doing it for so long, what would you say some of those benefits still are for you to this day? And then some benefits that people can expect should they start the practice of meditation? Yeah, I think the interesting thing here is this common misunderstanding people have around meditation, that they think it's a little bit like, oh, you, you just meditate long enough and then you reach that mountaintop and then you did it. Then you never have to do anything again. You know, meditation is a little bit more like going to work out in the gym. You go and you work out and you get stronger and your muscle grows. And then when you stop working out, what happens? You're still strong the next day and you're still strong a week later. But then like two months later, you're like, oh, mm, my arms, like it's a little bit, little bit less, but I think I'm still strong. And then six months later, you realize, oh my God, I lost all the benefits. I lost all this, what I worked on so hard, this connection to myself, this 
connection to my authentic self, to my true identity. And so for me, meditation is more like a maintenance tool. It's a little bit like brushing your teeth. You wouldn't just think about not brushing your teeth today because you brushed them yesterday, right? That's a beautiful way to look at it. Absolutely. So let's talk about the benefits then outside of what we just spoke about, which is the energy and what it allows you to do in a day. What are the other benefits that you are seeing in your life other than, of course, not decaying your muscle, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, for me, I realized the biggest benefit is this this book. It's called Profit First, where pretty common in the business world where you pay yourself first before you pay everybody else. And that's how you grow your business. And so I see that a little bit the same with meditation. When I wake up in the morning early and I sit down and I pay myself first by allowing myself time for myself, space for myself, calmness for myself, calmness for my body when I sit, calmness for my mind before it starts making up all these super important things I need to take care of, right? And really just sit there and allow myself to experience me and experience who my light and my true identity. And there I take it to experience really the spiritual part of my identity. I can carry that into my day. When I don't do that, then I'm missing out on that. Then I think, oh, I'm human. Oh my God, I need to make money. Oh my God, I need to be on the computer and write emails. Oh, I need to go pick up the kids. I need to, then by, by six o'clock in the evening, my wife says something snippy to me and I flip out and lose everything and be like, oh, why do you talk to me like that, right? So it's this, where I, when I pay myself first in this time in the morning, it allows me to connect to my true self. And my true self is a deep state of calmness, is a deep state of neutrality, is tremendous joy, tremendous expansion, a deep state of happiness, and just really like a, a real experience of my being. Wow, that's beautifully explained. And when you say a deep sense of neutrality, because that stuck out to me, what do you mean? We all tend to swing around right either we're in a great mood or we're in a really bad mood and everything sucks and then we're kind of in an okay mood in the middle where nothing really matters but this state of neutrality and i think this is another common misunderstanding especially also in the spiritual world where we always think like okay so you're not supposed to be all the way up here where you're amazing happy and you're not supposed to be all the way down here where you're really sad and so a lot of people in the spiritual world end up in this lukewarm state in the middle, which is really the opposite of what you want to achieve. The real idea of neutrality is not like this is hot and this is cold and we're trying to dilute both the buckets and make a whole bunch of lukewarm water, but we're supposed to be hot. We're supposed to be cold. And neutrality is that third point in the triangle that going up and being like, oh yeah, my true identity is up here. And when I'm down here, I'm expressing this part of my personality. And when I go over here, I express that part. But my true identity, where I always come back to, is the balance. And I love the yin and yang symbol from the Taoist tradition because it expresses it just in such a beautiful and simplistic way. Yeah, that's. Uh, I love that. And I love the way you explain it as well because it, it puts it in perspective. It's like, you know, it's understanding that you are more than just whatever feelings you have, mental state that particular day and seeing it from a different angle where you're like, okay, it's okay to experience those. It's okay to experience all of it really. And one of the struggles I've run into, I would say even more recently is this idea that when you do have one of those bad days, when you do have one of those bad times, it could be multiple days. The goal is to always try to get out of it as fast as you can, ignoring the reason that you might be in it or what's happening. Yeah. How have you seen people be able to overcome that? Because in my case, I started to see with my feelings. I started to see with my emotion, try to have that perspective from the outside, exterior perspective. But it's tough. It's not easy. So I would imagine someone like yourself has been able to find out different ways that can work a bit better for yourself. Yeah, and, and I can tell you, even after 30 years of my practice, it's still tough every day. It's, it's never easy. And it never gets to that point where you're just like, oh, it's like that lukewarm experience. And again, I want to bring back that picture of the yin and yang. You see the black and the white, and it's very distinct, and the colors are very clear. 
Now imagine that just blurred all together in a gray mush and being all like mixed together. And there's like, oh, here's the gray circle, right? And now it's kind of all easy-ish. It's not really challenging, but it's also not this high elated feeling of, oh my God, I'm so alive. I can't believe that I can feel like that. And so what I find is that it really comes to the, to the connection with yourself at that deep level where you're really accepting, oh my God, I'm really feeling a lot of sadness. Something horrible happened. I need to allow for this sadness. My the person I love the most died in my life. And now I could either pretend and just brush over that. And again, it's a very common thing in the spiritual world of, oh yeah, I'm not affected by those kinds of feelings. And just kind of closing up your heart and not allowing for that pain to show itself. So I feel much more when you can truly step into that darkness and you can really feel that and you can cry and you can release it and you can just say, look, I'm not working for a week because I need to step deep into that and I need to feel this. This is important for my identity to really have that experience. And really allow that feeling to expand. That's when you're stepping through it. And again, in all spiritual texts, you go back to the Bible, to the Quran, to ever. There's all these stories that when this darkness happens, we never turn around and run the other way. None, none of the spiritual leaders ever talked about this. They always talked about facing it and stepping into it and allowing it. Because the light, again, is on the other side. When you went through the whole wave and you processed it, that's when you're stepping out of it with strength and with understanding and having integrated that as part of your identity with all the sadness, with all the heaviness. But then you can realize, oh my God, I'm so much more than just this experience. Amazing stuff. And I would imagine a practice like meditation or yoga can allow you to conquer the darkness a lot quicker and or at least have the tools to conquer it. But for someone that hasn't built a practice to be able to face the darkness, like you said, instead of turning around and running away, where would one start? I would say start with courage because courage is what it takes to face the darkness. And courage is such a beautiful word. It comes from the French word cur, which is a word for heart. And when you step into your heart and you really feel and you really feel who you are in your heart, in your center of your being, and you expand that heart and you expand that courage, that's what gives you the strength to face whatever circumstance happens in your life. We all have heavy, heavy stuff happening in our lives. And there's people out there who have 10 times, 100 times heavier stuff happen to them. And they have two choices. One is to lie down and say, oh, I die, I can't do anything. Or the other one is to come from the heart and to expand and really step through it. Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. And when it comes to, to coming from your heart and expanding, like you just beautifully said, what other tools are there for us to be doing that? I would imagine, and I'm looking at myself as an example, it starts with looking inwards. It starts with having those practices that allow yourself to understand who you are a bit better before you can even tackle something like that. Have you I seen anything that- else? Yeah, I think the most beautiful and the simplest tool which the listeners can use today is to connect with your breath. Because when you learn how to breathe properly again and again, no baby needs breath coaching classes because they all know how to breathe. And when you ever hear them scream and you see their belly moving when they take a breath to go for the next big one, that is, they know they have real breath control. And the power of learning how to breathe powerfully is you're connecting to your lungs and your lungs are what's surrounding your heart. And so by breathing, you're giving your heart a massage and you're allowing your heart to expand on this big inhale when you're creating space in your chest. And you're opening that space. And so the breath is something so simple and such a tool we all have available. And no one can come up with an excuse and say, oh, I don't have 30 seconds to do three or five long, deep breaths every day. But just that simple tool, it's something every actor knows about because they'll be told by their 
coaches say, hey, before you go on the stage, take three long deep breaths because that allows your heart to expand, that allows you to connect to your courage. And now you can do what you love to do and what you do with passion, which is step in front of the crowd and really shine your light. Yeah, I like a really easy, practical solution to facing any challenges head on just start with the breathing and then go from there right and you have other practices they can do in and you, you mentioned that the coach word with the actors and whatnot and you yourself are a coach and you help others on this beautiful journey why first of all why did you start being a coach oh that was a funny story because i just two years ago really went in all the way where i said oh my god this is truly my passion because I look back and I've been coaching people since I'm 15. You know, I always ended up sitting with people, asking them questions, guiding them, supporting them. That's always what gave me joy. I just never knew there was like a, a job you could do <laughs> where you're a coach. And now, like, especially if you live in California and LA, I don't know if any of the listeners are from there. It's almost a joke now because everybody's a life coach these days. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's this thing of truly connecting to that and seeing how my client's life change right in front of my eyes is just so rewarding for me that if I could get away with it, I would probably do it for free all day long, right? But I also learned the lesson that, you know, because when I started, I did a lot of free coaching. People come to the point where they're like, can you like kind of lay off a little bit? <laughs> this is a lot. Can we just talk about some light things? <laughs> and so it really helped me to actually charge for my coaching because it allowed me and my clients to have a very clear relationship where they say, here's my energy and form of money. And then I was able to really show up for them and give them my energy and have a, a clean exchange. Ah, yes. Amazing stuff. So we touched a bit on the you seeing people transform in front of your eyes. And you, of course, transformed a lot of your life. And this is something I look at myself and I'm seeing that, okay, as we become a better version of ourselves, we cannot help but help those around us. And our world becomes a tiny bit better. And of course, as a result, the world around that becomes a tiny bit better. But from your perspective, how does becoming a better version of yourself help others around you? Even if, let's say, you're the most selfish person in the world, but you work on becoming the, the best version of yourself. Well, I actually love the example of the most selfish person in the world and that person making a change and starting to just have a 5% improvement. And I think that takes us right back to the beginning of our conversation when we spoke about how the individual consciousness gets so shaped by the group consciousness. This will start affecting your partner, your children, your parents, your coworkers, everybody in this vicinity around you will get this tiny fraction of an effect of you connecting more to yourself, of you just being that tiny little bit better version of yourself. And it creates this beautiful ripple effect. And as we're all doing it, it creates this combination of frequency where we really all go up much faster. And then it affects that group consciousness that we, we talked about earlier on as well. Absolutely. Love that yeah. example. What are some of um, the biggest transformations you've seen in, in clients you've helped, either paid or unpaid, right? Because you say you've been doing this for a while. Have there been some experiences that left you, let's call it speechless? I've seen some amazing stuff. Yes. I don't think I've been speechless because I hold these really high visions for people where I'm like looking at someone and I'm like, oh my God, you, I want to work with you because I see the light and I see where that person can be. And so usually it's like the speed they're moving at is about how quickly they can overcome their own internal limitations. Because I see so much potential and so much light that I'm just every time like, okay, awesome, we made it here. Now you're ready to go all the way up here because I already see you out there. So let's do this. And I feel this is such an important part of, of being a coach is something actually I learned from my mother and my grandmother who always held this really beautiful, amazing vision for me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not seeing that, but they are seeing that and I kind of respect them. So maybe there's something in there. And that inspired me to, to grow and expand. And so that's kind of where I'm with my clients. Yeah, good, uh, good example there for sure. 
And where can people find you and work with you if they want to spend time with you and learn about what you do? Okay, the most fun place to find me is on TikTok because I, I post some videos of myself from these podcasts. I post videos of interesting stuff that I think is amazing. <laughs> so I share those. So people have to look through those. I, I talk about the things that, that motivate me. And so that's probably the easiest way. If you're a TikTok person, just send me a message. Easy to connect. If you say TikTok will never go on my phone, <laughs> not over my dead body, you can also go to my website, which is coachingnow.info. So coachingnow.info. It's definitely not as fun as my TikTok page, but you can get in touch with me there and send me a message there. Awesome. Amrit. It's been such a beautiful conversation. But of course, before I let you go, I'm curious to see if you have anything else to add at the end based on everything we've talked about. I'm sure we can go in many directions, but I'm curious if there's any, you know, one last piece of wisdom you'd like to leave the audience with. Well, I actually have something I would love to share with the audience because I'm super excited about this new program I'm putting together which is an, an offer directly designed for men that are struggling in their relationships or in their marriages. And they're at the point where they're saying like, oh my God, like we've been together 10 years, 15 years. The gap keeps widening every day. I've seen this with my friends. I know they will hit the point where I, it's just the point of no return and I'm going to end up being divorced and my kid's going to be kids of a divorced family. And I don't want that. I want to make a change. I know maybe my wife is doing her thing. And of course, we all wish we could just swing the magic staff and point it at our wives and make them the perfect version, which we would have so much fun with living with. But that's not how it works. So what I want to do is I want to help men who are right at that point and who are saying like, okay, I'm ready to make a change in my life. I'm ready to invest in that. I'm ready to show up for that. And so. If that resonates with anyone on the call, do reach out to me. I would love to spend an hour with you and really go deep and allow you to find out what's important to you and then also offer you options of what you can do to make a change in your life. Amazing stuff, Amrit. Thank you for sharing that. And we'll put all the stuff in the show notes as well where people can find you and connect with you. Well, awesome. I want to thank you again for your time. It's oh, been a pleasure. Thank you for and I'm sure the audience will as well. Thank you. Thanks, Constantine. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration of personal transformation. Your presence and engagement are at the heart of what we do. And I sincerely appreciate you, your time and thirst for knowledge, inspiration and empowerment. Please consider showing your support by hitting like, subscribe, leaving a comment or writing a review. Your engagement not only fuels our mission, but also helps others discover these insights. For more daily guidance on personal transformation across the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical realms, be sure to visit our website at UnleashThyself.com. You can also find us on Instagram at UnleashThyselfToday, TikTok and YouTube at UnleashThyself, and there we post daily content designed to inspire and empower you on your journey. If you have any specific thoughts, questions, or feedback, I truly value your input. Or if you'd like to have a conversation with me, or work with me, please feel free to email me directly at constantine at unleashthyself.com. I would love to hear from you. Together, we're building a community united in authenticity and purpose. Once again, thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next time, continue to embrace your true self and live a life on purpose with purpose. See you in the next episode.